this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is the Girls Gone Wad podcast. This is episode 324. <laughs> I am in heaven from all the drunk girl pictures from last week. Did you see them all? Like, they are they were, so freaking funny. Yes. You all just came out of the woodwork with your drunk girl photos. And as promised, if I didn't send you mine, please message me because I was like, I promise I'll send you, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And so I think I sent everyone who sent us a photo, my picture of my, my drunk girl pictures. And I loved it. Some people were like, oh my gosh, that was so fun to go back and look at the at pictures and I like went down memory lane. I mean, we had one girl who's like, I had dreadlocks at the time and it was like a costume party and she had like tied her dreadlocks into a beard with a mustache. And so she had like this big cost. (laughs) It was so great. We had one that was like right after her bachelorette party and she was like sitting on a curb with like a big bucket with a selfie stick sticking out of it. And like in the other hand, she had a pillow and and this white like bride tank top. She's like, I wore that for three days straight. (laughs) (laughs) So great. (laughs) You guys are the best. Like I feel Uh, like I I just want to have a party where we all let our drunk girl out. And just I wish have a, that I had a heyday. I'm pretty sure there's no photo evidence of this, but the most recent time that I was like really messy, sloppy drunk, the last time this happened, like in my adult life so far, was at TJ's house. Yes, I remember this story, which I love this story because, like, I yeah, I don't think I was there, but was it no New Year's Eve? No, it was Halloween. Halloween, that's right. You were there for New Year's Eve. Remember when yes. it was like right when we started the podcast and I had the lobster dress on? No, this was Halloween totally. and it was like a surprise birthday party for TJ and I got blacked out drunk, which I hadn't done in a long time and have never done since and was like fully twerking like upside down inverted. Oh, we got some of those on photos the wall. too. <laughs> we got some of those photos too. Yes. Yes. We're, and <laughs> there's never a moment where you're drunk twerking somehow where you're not just covered in sweat. Yeah. It's... <laughs> every... Every person who sent one of us one of those photos was like so sweaty, so sweaty, and and like most of the time, like your hands in the air and your eyes are closed. Yes. <laughs> it's so, so good, great. and the photos like inexplicably it. like sort of steamy looking. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, there's one that there's one that I wish I could find. Actually, I don't wish I could find, but it was this night when I lived in San Diego for a hot minute. And it was New Year's Eve. I, I specifically remember it was 1999. We were partying like it was 1999 because it was the year 2000. And that was a big deal that we were like partying into 2000. Oh, so much fun. And we went to this bar just like down the street from uh, our house, our apartment. And I met this guy and he was like really, really tall. And I just remember a photo of him holding me, like picked me up and he was holding me and I was just like hands in the air, so drunk. And someone sent us this photo that was like here's a picture and it was kind of the same pose where this guy was like really big guy was like holding her up and she's like that here's a picture of me really drunk this guy was so tall that I just asked him to pick me up and I just met him (laughs) so it was like a picture of her and this tall stranger just like holding her like a baby Like, that's the other thing. You meet strangers and you're like, you're so tall. Will right. you hold me? You're like, oh my God, I have to get a picture with you. No, it's it's fine. Like, my friend's going to take this picture. Just like, hold on one second. <laughs> what is it. your, like, go-to other than running when you're drunk? Do you have, like, a right, specific persona that comes out when you're drunk? I used to. Like, do you get really, would... like, everyone gets laughy and funny, but is there, like, a specific thing you do? 
Uh, I start to speak Spanish. Okay. I start to speak French. Yeah. That, there, that's, a, that's a thing. It's foreign languages mm-hmm. when you're drunk. And when I was in college, I would just like start randomly making out with everyone. Very cool. Yeah, I yeah. did a, like a ton of drunkenly making out with like super random guys at the bar. Ugh. Like literally, it would be like if I was like ordering a drink and a guy like came up to me and started like came up next to me and also started ordering a drink, I would just like grab his face. You're like, let's make out right now. Yeah. And I was like, hey, are you here with anyone? No? Okay, great. We're making out right now. Do you ever remember crashing any parties? Parties that you just didn't know anyone, but you just like showed up? That was um, another photo we got from people who were like, we crashed this party. And it was like such a great right. photo. And I think they were in their 40s. And they're like, we still crash parties in our 40s. That sounds exhausting. Uh, no, we never really, we didn't do a ton of house parties. I feel like because I went to school in the same town where I grew up. By the time I got to college, I was like so over going to house parties because I went to house parties like in high school. So by the time oh, I got to sure. part, like. The last time I went to a we frat so party that. was like my junior year of high school. <laughs> okay. You know, I was like, I was over it. Um, I remember in San Diego. Yeah, I remember in San Diego. Ugh, I was just kind of like, I don't know. I was kind of starstruck easily. And if like someone knew someone who knew someone who's like semi-famous, we would somehow always end up at their house. And we rent, we ended up at this guy. He was a uh, NFL football player. I think his name was Ryan Leaf. I'm going to laugh so hard if that was actually, I think it was Ryan Leaf. And he was an NFL football player at the time. And we knew someone who knew someone who he was having a party. We ended up at his house. I just remember walking into this mansion that was like empty. Like they didn't have any furniture. It was almost like he just like bought his house, but didn't furnish it yet. And it was just this huge house and we were walking around and I just remember dancing with strangers and leaving, but we never saw Ryan leave, but it was like the weirdest thing. I'm like, how did we end up here? And do, but I love stories like that, that where like, you wake up the next day. And you're like, what were we doing? Do you remember the movie Garden how did we State? Do that? Yes. Or it's like that. They're like at this guy's huge house where he like got rich because he invented silent Velcro and then they're at his house and it's like <laughs> totally. this giant mansion, but he doesn't have any furniture. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It's almost like he just knew how to buy a house, but uh, hadn't yet furnished that house. But pl- all you need is alcohol and a dance floor, which if you have an empty house, you have a dance floor. It's great. Um, okay. And then we also got a really funny comment that I had to read in regards to the 4th of July and how rage mom rage you get uh when you're when someone's about to wake up your sleeping child and i love this comment i laughed so hard she goes oh omg on fourth of july i saw a neighborhood teen about to set off a firework in front of our house i ran out and said excuse me but if you wake up my sleeping baby i'm going to be very upset please take that into consideration before lighting illegal fireworks She's like, it's like something primal came over me. I could just imagine just being like, excuse me, rethink that decision before you wake up my excuse me. child. <laughs> Please take that into consideration. That's like the most polite thing I would talk about. And be like, totally. What the do you think you're doing? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. Where are your parents? Like grab them by the ear and drag them across the street. Yeah, totally. Where are your manners? I start to do that with like people who drive down my road too fast. If I'm outside, I like throw up my hands like what? And I'm I'm like, one of these days, like some random crazy person is going to get out of their car. But I'm that person who will like wave to cars to be like, slow down, slow down. There's children in this neighborhood. Just one lawn chair away from being that person who like sits in their yard and polices the neighborhood. It's so great. Yeah, it's a good thing you have your like 
deck is so set back. <laughs> yeah, that is a good thing. Except now, you know how we have like those two raised berms in our front yard, with, like the big junipers around them. We put when we had our landscaping done last year, we put these, they like kind of cleared it out. They were kind of all overgrown, so you couldn't really get up there, but they cleared it out and then we put those two big <laughs> Adirondack chairs <laughs> on top of them. So I could l- literally sit on top and just like be a- on a perch for my neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Now you have a and perch. Be the neighborhood watch. Now I have a perch. It's great. Do it. Okay. So thank you again, everyone who sent photos of their drunk. We are still taking submissions and we will not post them if you're worried about that. I'm using the honor system when I send you mine that you're not going to like just random. I mean, they're not bad, but I choose. I would rather not have them floating around the internet, but I'm just taking a risk and sending them to people hoping that we all just have the trust policy. We will not share your drunk girl photos. You just have to trust us that we will not do that unless you actually we won't at all. There's no unless we just won't. Even if you asked us to share it, we're not going to share it. Because those are private moments. Those are special moments in our lives that need to be locked away and only shared with people who've been there and understand how great of a time in our lives that was. Oh, they're so good. And I could just like see the energy when they people would send us the photos. I'm like, oh my God, I could just like be there and just I can like, I know what kind of person you are and how much fun you are just by this photo. So thank you. That was really great. All right. So moving on. Talk to us about the recent text message you sent to Jess and I. Oh, you want to just dive right into that? Okay. Let's go. You um, know, and let, let's, let's not put it. a disclaimer, but let's just say that uh, for, for those of, of you who maybe complain that we talk about this a lot, this is going to be one of those conversations, but um, uh, if you can, if you're not going to apologize, we're talking about our bodies too much, <laughs> then feel free to find another podcast because I'm not sorry. This is, we got to work this it is out. The world we live in. We got to work it well, out. Also, like, you know, yeah, I don't put it in the I, burn book. I just, I just truly like don't, if you, if you are not interested in hearing that conversation, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you right now. And I'm fine with that. Um, because this is a podcast for a lot of other people who are dealing still with this on a daily basis and will be dealing with it on a daily basis for their entire lives. And if you are post body, whatever, then good for you and not good for you. Not for me. Anyway. Yesterday, we went up to the mountains to just run some errands, basically, where we bought a car from a friend. It doesn't really matter why we were up there. The point is, we all while we were up there, my friend who we were uh, seeing took a picture of me like walking through this park that we were in with Miles. And it just was like, I didn't think it was a very flattering photo. She's totally going to hear this because she listens to our podcast um, and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to not like take an unflattering photo. It wasn't like, there's nothing wrong with it, but it was one of those pictures where I didn't know it was being taken. And I'm like kind of turned to the side, like saying something and walking at the same time. And it's like, just mm-hmm. not a flattering, wasn't a flattering photo. And I saw it and I was like, ugh. And I just started like your like, initial this, reaction was like your, yeah. your knee jerk reaction was like, ooh, was like, uh, I do not like, oh, I don't like that. That's not a good look. It was like, critical. I don't like the way that looked. It was super critical and not just like, like negative, not just critical, like full on negative. It was just immediately. I don't look good. Like, I don't look good. That is a bad picture. I don't look good. And I don't, you know, my that like, I don't like the way I look. And. So I just was sort of like having that spinning around in my head for a couple hours after we got home. And so I finally just texted Jess and Joy. As you guys know, we have this very uh, crucial tech group text going on at all times. And it was just like... It's a very you know, important. I, I highly yes. suggest people do this. Mm-hmm, right. Find a find a group text. Um, and I just said, we're 
up in the mountains for a few hours today. My friend took a picture of me that was not super flattering. I've been letting it really get to me, even though I know bad angles, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just naming it so the body insecurity thoughts can get some air and not just keep getting bigger in my head. And the other thing that I eventually also said was just like, I'm really ready for my body to just be whatever it's going to be. And all the changes all the time are hard to keep my head around. And it's just like being postpartum is just hard. And I feel like there are maybe people out there who are like, oh my gosh, I love being pregnant. I don't think there are that many people out there who are like, you know what I love? Postpartum. Like, <laughs> right. I don't right. think very much. I mean, that's like, why there is there. such a culture of quote unquote getting your body back. Like, that's why yeah, that culture it's exists. An, it's like, it, you got to you gotta super... return back to your, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, like, I mean, part of that I think is, you know, based on a bunch of cultural norms around like not honoring moms and the fact that our like culture really doesn't care about families. But I also think it comes from a place of like being postpartum. It's, just a a time of a ton of transitions and it kind of sucks in the sense that like I mean being in transition for that long like you just came out of a year of transition being pregnant and you do like I get that impulse of wanting to quote unquote get your body back because you just spent a year with your body not being in your control whatsoever and that's a really hard place to be mentally regardless of what your stance is on body image and the what how you should quote unquote look just being in a place where your body changes every day is really tiring and it's really hard. I mean, anything like, you know, we talk about, oh, you and your, you know, it's a relationship with your body and like you need to, it's constantly being changing and you need to constantly like be in practice around that. And it's just like having any other kind of relationship where you can't just, you know, wake up one day and be like, okay, cool. Well, that's solved. But at the same time, like it's exhausting. Like, yes, it's dynamic, your whole life, but to truly having it change every single day is so tiring. And if you think about like, if you had a friendship where you woke up and like your friend or your marriage, you woke up and your spouse was like just a little bit different every day, you'd be like, okay, chill Mm -hmm. out. Like, give me a minute to like wrap my head around what's going on before I move on to the next thing. And you just don't get that in pregnancy and like the first year postpartum. And it's just very tiring and I'm over it. Yeah. It's like this, um, I, I'm just using like a therapy analogy, but when we have, like if I had a patient who had, was in a relationship or had a parent who every time they came home, they didn't know what to expect. Like they didn't know mm-hmm. if they came home to a happy mom or a really pissed off mom. That inconsistency just makes you so hypervigilant. And you're like constantly in the state of like not knowing what to expect and your body is your home. So right. I think that that's something that, you're describing is like, I just want to consider, I want that to be the hum in the background. I don't want that to be the, you know, snake in the grass where you're like, what do I expect today? And you're just kind of like hit with all these emotions and you just want your body to be a predictable place for you to be. Yeah. And I don't expect like it to be the, you know, to never change. I don't expect it to be like a constant. And, you know, again, like I don't expect to not need to have a dynamic relationship with it. But at the same time, it's just getting, I'm at the point where it's like, okay, I'm over this. Like I want to just kind of know what what to expect. And also I want to be able to, if I'm, if I make a change, I want the reaction to be somewhat predictable. And I think that's the other thing is I like, especially when I was pregnant for this pregnancy, because, um, I was so sick. I really felt like my body was like a hundred percent in the driver's seat the whole time. Like I, did not have any say or control. 
you know, I, I wasn't able to work out. I wasn't able to really eat you know, hardly anything. I was sleeping really poorly. Like it felt like a lot of things were happening to me and that I just like had to kind of buckle up for the ride. And that's a really hard thing to feel like that you're not, it's not a partnership, that it's just sort of like happening to you. So mm-hmm. then when Evie was born, I was kind of hoping like, okay, like I'll be able to get some of that back where I can feel like at least I'm, you know, part of like the process. But I have had a really hard time keeping up my breast milk supply, especially since I've gone back to work. I'm in pumping and I have nothing against formula whatsoever, but Evie really, we have not found a formula that Evie tolerates and we've tried all the different kinds that are like supposed to be really good for sensitive babies. And we're really, really, really lucky that We've um, found a couple of people who have donated some breast milk to us. and Which is I mean, so amazing. Is so amazing. And like the fact that also like one of the people who's donating to us is like a Girls Gone Wild listener. Like that just blows me oh, away that somebody, you know, if you had told so me like, cool. hey, you're going to start this so podcast. Cool. And six years from now, like someone who listens to the podcast is going to like help you f- keep your baby alive. They've been keep like your baby what? alive. Yeah. Literally, yeah. literally. Yes. So anyway, all that is amazing. And it means that I'm also still very, very freaked out. Like anytime I make a change, like I'm worried to start exercising more. I'm worried to change my diet because I am so freaked out by that having an effect on my breast milk supply. Right. right. And so I still feel like I'm in this place where every single little thing is like, okay, don't make any sudden movements. But at the same time, I'm also just like tired of not being able to make any sudden movements. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. So, and so are you, yeah. just, are, just out of curiosity, like are you um, on a specific diet because of breast milk supply? Like are there things you have been directed to eat or not eat to help with your breast milk supply? Yeah, so there's certain things that you, that are supposedly help like oatmeal. There's like some other other certain types of things that I haven't really found effective that can be helpful, but oatmeal is the big one and like oatmeal cookies and things like that really just like calories, you know, it's like you're, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, but like within that, I don't really feel like, like if I work out, which I've been started to work out a couple of times, which I think we talked about last week, I love it. But then I get so worried the rest of the day, like, oh my gosh, am I eating enough to like replace those calories that I burned? Because what if like my calories are lower today than they were yesterday? Like, is that going to affect my breast milk supply? And so I just am really like, you know, I think that I'm, in a way having the same or a similar type of mindset that we talk about when people are training and they're like freaked out about, you know, macro counting. And it's like, well, you know, you get really caught up in that, in that quantitative mindset. And I feel that way because of my breast milk supply, not because of like, you know, I think a lot of times we hear about it because of a fear of like body composition changing or like, oh, if I, you know, miss what, eat the wrong thing for one meal, people get it in their heads. Like, you know, we've talked about this where it's like, hey, one meal isn't going to make or break. But like when you're breastfeeding, one meal can make or break, especially when you're at the, like a situation where I am, where it's like literally every time I pump, it's like, okay, am I going to get anything this time? Like every time I pump, I'm like, huh, I wonder how this is going to go. And that's just so much time. It's so much time and energy and gear to be like, oh, there's nothing. That's just got to be like mentally just such a screw as well. Yeah, it's hard because it's also like this very primitive thing, you know, like this. I'm I literally cannot feed my baby what she needs. And that's really emotionally difficult. And so Mm -hmm. there's just so much wrapped up in that as well. And there's other reasons. It's not just nutrition. Like there's some like nerve damage stuff that happened when I was younger. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the pumping is just the worst. And, you know, I think. 
a lot of people have this issue when they go back to work um, that pumping is can be really hard. And a lot of people um, have an issue getting like the same type of output from pumping that they do when they're just normally breastfeeding. And anyway, it goes on and on. But like all that to say that I just still very much feel like I, I don't have the autonomy in my like body relationship, I guess, that I want to have still. And it's been going on like that now for, you know, a year and a half since I started Mm -hmm. trying to get pregnant. And it's just like, I'm tired. I just want to be able to be like, hey, let's try this and not have so many external factors playing into it. Yeah, that's probably been what, like a five year journey of like, yeah, and I mean, like this going on like before, during, after with both kids. Yeah. And then even like between, you know, with Miles, there's always that sense of, I mean, even if you, how do I put this? No matter how many times I I say like, oh, you know, just wanting to get your body back is like unrealistic. It's not, you know, we shouldn't put that pressure on people. Like that conversation is still out there enough that like nobody's immune to it. And so you do always. Yeah. Why don't we rename it? Because I don't think it's necessarily getting your body back. It's feeling like yourself again in whatever way that means, you know? And so I feel like what you're saying more is I want to feel settled. I want to feel like I have some sort of, like things are kind of consistent and it's it's not something I have to constantly think about and or that I do constantly think about because of all these other variables just flying around in my life. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Like I just want to be at a point where I can just sort of let the status quo fly. And that I'm Mm -hmm. not constantly like feeling sick or worrying that I'm going to miscarry or worrying that, you know, my breast milk is going to go, supply is going to go away and and just like this constant worry, worry, worry. And then on top of that, having these moments where I look at pictures of myself and I'm like, oh, like I just don't like this body because, and I think a huge part of that is that it feels like a reflection, like the physical body that I'm in and the way that I look feels like a reflection of this feeling of just unsettledness and of Mm -hmm. tiredness and of just like this is the picture of a girl who is not at peace with her body right now like this is a picture of a girl who is really grappling with the functions of what her body is able to do right now on like a very you know like I'm not upset that I can't PR my my squat you know I'm upset that I can't like feed my baby you know to me like that is a lot, you know, and, and I'm not saying that like, you know, PRing is not, can't be an emotional journey either because it definitely can, but like, I feel like there's a lot of more sort of primitive instincts that go into this one. Anyway, so it's definitely, I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. And I was going to say that you've had on top of everything else, you've had an enormous amount of change in the past six months, right? You've had a baby, you have a new job, you are managing a household with two children and a partner and Brandon's schedule. And, you know, there's all of these things that you're... Right. He's about to start a new are, job. That are changing. And it... Yeah. Ha- I mean, I think you, you two have lived your life this way. And I know you're used to a lot of change. That doesn't mean that your body doesn't take on all that stress. And I think that that's just something, too, that kind of adds on to that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought it would be helpful to sort of process that in real time because I think that a lot yeah. of people do kind of I know a lot you know, of people tend to yeah yeah they everyone deals with this in one way or another and I also think that when people sometimes hear us talk about oh like 
you know, like last week when I was saying, you know, I'm just over worrying about become like going, getting back to my old self, like that's still true, but that doesn't mean that I'm like completely at peace with where I am either. Mm-hmm. It's definitely mm-hmm. an ongoing process. Well, I think this, you know, I think it's a good conversation to even say it's all right to have these feelings that we've talked about this mm-hmm. before of like, just because we really promote self-acceptance and loving yourself doesn't mean that we have days where we're like, oh my God, I just feel like a piece of crap. Like what? And that negative self-talk comes in. That's pretty human behavior. But what do you think would be helpful? What, what is helpful for you right now? Like, like, is it just airing it? Like, what is some advice you can give to people who may be kind of struggling with the same similar issues? Like, is it telling your friends, just just like letting it out, (laughs) putting in the burn book? What is it that's been helpful? Yeah, I think just being letting it out and not letting it just roll around in your head. And I think that there's also a level when I do talk about, oh, you know, you, you need like, the goal is just to be happy with where you're at. When I'm not able to be happy with where I'm at, I also feel a lot of shame around that because I'm like, I'm supposed to be able to do this. You know, I'm the girl who like gets on the podcast and talks about like, you know, people email me all the time and send me DMs all the time of like, thank you so much for talking about how, you know, you don't have to love your body in order to respect it. And, you know, all of these things that I really try to, I really try to walk the walk and I don't always get there. And so when I'm not able to walk the walk as much as I want, then I definitely start to feel like, you know, these people, there are people out there who really like in a way look up to me as this person who's able to just, you know, live outside of those restrictions. And then when I can't do that, I feel kind of like crap. So it does help me to just bring it up and let and give it air because then I realize like this is not as dire as it feels And it's not as permanent as it feels. And I think that's the other thing is it's so easy for me right now to feel like it's this is my new normal. It's going to be like this forever. And I'm never going to, you know, be back in a body that I can anticipate what it's going to need. And I'm never going to be back in like a predictable body ever again because it's been so long since I've been there. And so to just say out loud and realize like predictable body, what do you mean by that? I mean, like a body where I can wake up in the morning and have a reasonable expectation that it not like nothing major has changed since yesterday. Okay. You know, that okay. like my breast milk supply didn't drop since yesterday because I forgot to, you know, eat a snack or I wasn't hydrated or like I wake up sure. and I'm not super bloated for no reason or like my hair is not falling out randomly or I'm not like randomly having a super weird hormonal breakout or I don't like to have weird BO for one day for some right, reason. Right, like, right, right. You know, just yeah, like crap yeah. like that where I like I'm all of a sudden <laughs> sitting there and I'm like, yeah. what? Like I thought we were past the weird hormone stuff, but no, like yeah. not even close. Yeah. Like there's just stuff that my body does still to this day. And I say still to the state, but like where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like last night I was sitting there talking to Brandon and I was like, my boobs leaking. Cool. <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> I was like, I just fed Evie. Like, this is not usually a time when like I would worry about this. I'm just like, Be right back. <laughs> leaking fluids. <laughs> Just like crap like that, where you're just like, I'm tired of it. I just want to have a conversation with my husband without my boob leaking. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And like, I just want to like put on some clothes and be like, oh, this is the same way this like fit yesterday. Right. You know, and like that. So that's tough. And anyway, so Mm -hmm. it's easy right now to feel like I'm never going to be back at that place 
or I'm never, I, or I will never be at that place again. Like I feel, I hesitate to say back, but it's easy to feel like I'm never going to f- be able to have that again. And so it's good to just talk about it and realize like when you, when I say it out loud, when I say like, I'm never going to be able to do that again. Like I realize like, okay, Claire, like chill out. You know, mm-hmm. this is not permanent. Everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people go through this and eventually I'll be, you know, this is a short phase in my life, even though I've been in this phase for a long time, which makes it feel like a lot in the scheme of things, you know, this whole fit, fa- this whole phase, like the whole phase of having young kids. Like I was talking to my mom the other day and we, I was talking about, you know, some like stuff between me and Brandon and how we always, we're right now going back and forth a lot about like, well, I did this. Well, I did this. Well, you didn't do that. Well, mm-hmm. but yeah, well, but you forgot that, you know, just like everything is, can be yeah, very like different right score. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keeping score, but, and also just like, we both feel like we don't get any breaks. And anyway, but the point is that she was like, you know, I think the other thing you need to remember when you're having those conversations is like this phase will be over soon, that you're not going to feel this overextended for that much longer. And that's a huge part of it, too, is like you don't, you know, maybe part of you don't have to necessarily solve all these problems indefinitely, because like at the end of the day, this phase of having young kids is really intense and it's really short. It's the longest, shortest time. Yeah, thank God. So yeah. we just got to get through yeah. it. Just I'm curious on a larger scale. Is there anything kind of societal that feeds into that for you, whether it be feeling like you don't have enough time at work to to pump or is there like, are there any kind of like little or little things that add up throughout the day that you're like, oh, this just if only society would make it easier for mothers. I'm just like thinking, yeah, for I think other everything out there who might be struggling <laughs> with that. Yeah, it's like society doesn't support motherhood very well. No, and I, I mean, like, I feel very supported at work for pumping. You know, like, I my the, the nice thing about going back or about having a new job rather than going back to an old job is that I didn't come mm-hmm. back after like maternity leave to this huge backlog of things that I had to work on. And so I'm not super sure. busy at work because I'm still just getting up and going. So, like, I can go take, you know, 30 minutes twice a day to pump. And not feel, you know, or more and not feel like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. It's like, yeah, I have a break. Like I can go take this break. But I think the biggest thing is like, I wish that there wasn't this focus on getting your body, quote unquote, getting it back. Because I think in our world, like where you and I sit in this podcast, we have come a long way in this conversation around you are not your body, et cetera, et cetera. But the rest of the world out there is not there yet. And so as soon as you like step out of this bubble that is this podcast, you know, you're sitting there talking to people who, you know. That's a good point. Yeah. And so like I, and especially because I'm working for a company that's in like the health and wellness space pretty much, you know, in a large way. And so a lot of the people who I work with are very focused on, it's more like, you know, natural foods, but it's still in the health and wellness space. And so most people I work with are very like fit, you know, healthy people. They're into like organic food and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, a lot of them like, oh, you have a five month old. And then it's, I just feel like the next words out of their mouth are going to be like, you look great. You know, and it's like, why is that? Why, why is that where we we immediately go? Yeah. Because now I'm thinking like, cool, you're noticing my body now. And like, regardless of what your opinion of my body is now, I, now I know that you're noticing it. And we can't just like live in this world where it doesn't matter whether I have like a belly pooch or not. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. like it's a non-issue. Yeah. That's and I think I yeah. In in terms of the podcast, I just have to say this really quick because I feel like we've built such a cool tribe for 
that discussion. And the the way that I noticed it was when I posted pictures of me in Hawaii. And I was like, oh, I don't want to post pictures of me in a bathing suit because I don't want to have comments about my body. And no one commented, made any type of comment about my body because I was just like, I'm posting this and I'm having a great time. And just because I'm in a bikini doesn't mean I'm like, it's not an issue. Like, it's a non-issue. And I was just afraid that there would be comments about my body, good or bad. And no one said anything. And I was just like, oh, I'm so proud of us. Like, we have built this culture where you can post a photo and there's no talk about someone's body, at least yes. for in and, our world. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I think that in our world, we do kind of, we're like, hey, like, we've made all this progress. And then, but then you step outside of this teeny tiny little bubble and it's like, oh, yeah. Most and then I go to like society, Britney Spears. <laughs> I'll go onto like Britney oh Spears gosh. page and Poor all Britney. they say is how skinny, you're so skinny. You're so skinny. Everyone says she's skinny as a needle. I don't know. That's like some type of inside joke that they started, but like everyone's like skinny as a needle. And I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. There they are. There it is. There they are. There it is right there. Everybody's also, yeah. And I think like one of the things that I've, we've talked about recently is that is seeing people who have like quote unquote perfections and they just don't even bring it up. You know, we've, we've talked about that where it's like, oh, this person posted a picture of themselves and they're not super lean or they have stretch marks or whatever, something that would be considered, you know, curated imperfection in a lot of circles, but that this person just, it's a non-issue and it's like such a relief to see that. We've talked about that a lot lately. And so so I try, I'm like really try to model that. I'm like, I want to be that person. Like I want to be the person who like posts a picture, you know, in my swimsuit at the lake and don't even give it a second thought. And sometimes I'm able to do that. And like, it's kind of nice for me to have that as my goal because it kind of puts me out of my comfort zone of like, okay, I'm going to just do this. I'm just going to not make it an issue. I'm just going to, you know, talk about that. It's a non-issue. And, but I don't always feel that way. Like that to me is definitely more aspirational than it is reality. And I think the reason for that is that we don't live day to day in a world where that is reality. And no matter Mm -hmm. how much we talk about it and how much we try to invoke that, you know, that's not how the rest of the world works. Right. So I think the moral of the story with all of it is, is it's going, I think working it out and talking about it more is where we're going to heal all of this. And where people who may not relate to this discussion at all, I would encourage you to really hear us and support friends who may be going through something similar and be a model to them and or share the podcast with them if they don't listen, because it's, it's, it's out there and it's in our face every day. So we can't not talk about it. And we can all relate, at least I can. I mean, I think it's just such an important thing too, especially what you're going through, Claire, and what you have been through, that there's so many women out there that can be helped by your thoughts. So, all right. All right. Do we want to answer take some, some questions, Q&A? finish it up? Yes. Yeah. We got some good Q&A. Someone wrote a longer question in DM, and I think it's a good place to start. She said, my question for your next Q&A, I have a friend with anxiety, and sometimes I don't know how to respond to her. She'll say things like, I'm anxious because her mom is going through some health issues, or she'll be anxious she has, she'll be worried about her mom's health, and she'll be worried about her mom's health declining. Uh, She says, I don't feel good. I don't feel like a good friend when I say, you probably, things are okay, or she's probably going to be okay, but I don't know what else to say. Like, she's just kind of being like, oh, it's going to be okay. 
But she wants to kind of know if there's something else she can say. She doesn't want to just respond with that. Any suggestions on how to respond to these kind of remarks or when people are just expressing frustration and or anxiety to you about something they're worried about. So it's like, I'm super worried that this is about to happen. I'm super, super worried that I'm going to lose my job. Oh, I have anxiety because I think that so-and-so is going to break up with me or whatever. Like those types of anxieties. I think the best way to support friendships is to not feel like you have to fix it. Most of the time when people are coming to you with anxieties is they just need someone to talk to. So really just being a listener. And if sometimes if you don't know what to say, I think it's really helpful to just be like, do you just want me to listen? Like, how can I support? How can I best? What does support look like to you? And I know that sounds kind of cheesy and almost too therapisty, but a lot of times it's like you, you, we can't read each other's minds. And I think it helps. It goes the same with partners is you aren't supposed to have the perfect answer all the time. And sometimes friends just need you to listen. And you can just even ask her that or just say, I'm here to support you. I am here for you. You are not alone. That kind of validation is really, really important. But I think as friends, we sometimes feel like we have to fix it. And the truth of the matter is in a situation like that, where maybe you're, you have a friend in your life and they're going through a really hard time with a family member whose health is declining, you don't know what's going to happen. So you should never say, oh, they're going to be fine because you don't know that. And that's really frustrating for the other person to hear that because they're like, well, how do you know? And it's just a, you know, a response that feels like, okay, I, I get you that you're trying to help me, but that's not helpful. So I think just the best response for things like that when someone's going through a tough time is to just say, I'm here for you. I'm listening. Let's go for coffee. Let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> like take yeah, your mind think- off of it for a little bit. I think the only thing about asking someone like, hey, tell me what you, you know, like, how, what, what do you need? How can I support you? Is that sometimes if you are really feeling a ton of anxiety, having to also, like, you don't always know how to be, best be supported. And so, like, for me, I know when I'm having a, you know, really, really anxious about a certain situation, um, if somebody were to say to me, like, okay, well, how can I best support you? I would feel like, well, I don't know, like, that's why I'm telling you, <laughs> you know? And so mm-hmm. I think what really helps me in those scenarios is just that validation of like, wow, that must be so hard to not know what's going to happen. I know you really care about your mom. You know, it must be so hard to watch her go through that, you know? And then also kind of, you can help ask them, ask them questions to get the sense of what how to help them outside of just directly how can I best support you? Things like, you know, like you were just asking me, like, well, what, you know, what do you do or what can you do or what have you done in the past that helps you when you feel this way? And they might mm-hmm. say like, oh, well, you know, going on hikes. And it's like, okay, great. Well, then let's go for a hike tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And really, I think in those times, validation goes a super, super long way because I think the other thing about having anxiety is that you tend to really lose touch with what is and what is not a big deal and what is and what is not like a normal reaction. And Mm -hmm. so to have someone say like, yeah, that sounds really hard. I can see why you'd be struggling with that. It's like, okay, I'm not crazy. This is actually a big deal. And it's okay for me to actually be like losing sleep over this. And just that in and of itself can like feel really like a relief. Yeah, totally. Like normalizing their feelings too. I will say, I, I love what you said too about not asking I think it also kind of comes down to knowing your friend. So if you don't know this friend very well, I do agree with if someone's going through something so detrimental, maybe they just had a huge loss in their life. The last thing you want to do is ask them, how can I support you? Because I agree, Claire, there's times when you're like, I don't know. Like, that's just one more thing I have to figure out. So when in doubt, if you're truly at a loss for what to do, just do something for them. 
send them a card, send them something, send them a flowers, like out of the blue without even being asked. I think that's such a great thing of just a gesture of out of the blue, random, random acts of kindness or you can never fail with that. Or send them some kettlebell kitchen. <laughs> or send them I some did actually, kitchen. No, yeah. but really I, I, we I had a, um, a, yeah, there was a girl who like we used to be pretty close with, but haven't talked to in a while. And I re- and I saw on social media a couple weeks ago that her mom had unexpectedly passed away, and so I just like went through my old text messages with her because she had recently moved, and I knew I had her address, and so I didn't even say anything to her. I just sent her a, a box of meals, and it was like I didn't reach out to her and be like, hey, hey, let me know if you need anything. Yeah. It was like, nope, I know right. you're gonna need food. Just do, yeah, just do it, and when yeah, just doubt, like exactly, just do it. Just do it. It's great. Okay. I do want to answer this real quick. What's wrong with wanting to lose weight or change your body? And she put in a little, not throwing shade, like just genuinely asking. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I want to answer it quickly because I I did just recently find this amazing, I want to plug this podcast that I found called The Appetite and it is hosted by eating disorder specialists. I want to say they are in Portland. Could be wrong. But uh, they are amazing. And they have such good information and real life stories. And I would encourage everyone to check that out because I'm just getting so much out of it around this type of question of like, what's wrong with wanting to change your body? They have really good in-depth discussions of how to kind of view that question that I'm not really going to get into here because I do feel we have talked a lot about this. But the one thing that really stuck with me was really the intention of there's really nothing wrong with that, but you have to kind of look at how much you're fighting with your body. And I think the one thing that really hit me last week when I was listening to one of their episodes was when one of the um, specialists who works with a lot of athletes, actually, she said, you can't fight mother nature. You remember in Jurassic Park when he said nature finds a way? Nature will always find a way when Jeff Goldblum's life character finds says a way, that. right? Isn't that what he says? Yeah. Life finds a way. Yeah, life finds a way. I that just completely like light bulb moment where I was like, oh my gosh. It's that same thing. Is like if you are pushing your body so far, your body will find a way to get back to the to its like set point or whatever you want to call it. So I feel like that is a really good discussion. I would encourage everyone to get onto that podcast and listen for that um, topic, especially. And they talked a lot more. They talked a lot more about athletes and people who like to move in a more intense way. Another discussion they have is like, how do you like to move? Which I also love that discussion because it's like, are you a mover? Are you kind of like a casual mover? Or do you like to move a lot? And I love how they frame that because it's not like, it's almost like looking at personality styles with movement instead of working out. They just call it movement. They're like, are you someone who likes to move a lot? And someone will be like, yeah, this one girl was like, yeah, I I like to move a lot. Like I naturally just love that feeling. And then someone else was like, yeah, I don't love to move a lot. I like to do walks and stuff. So it's like this awesome conversation about the differences instead of being like, so-and-so did this workout today. So I've got to go do that workout. It's great. It's great. So I know that's kind of a random, bunny trail answer to this question, but I really wanted to use it more as an opportunity to plug that podcast because I feel like they have way better discussions about that um, than we can here, especially with their background and their specialty. Okay, let's take a couple of quick ones and then we will answer the rest of these because you guys sent in a bunch of uh, questions and I feel like my like spiel about my 
current body image situation went a lot longer. So let's take a couple quick ones and then we'll answer the rest next week. Okay. Um, what's your favorite flower? <laughs> this one is so cute. What is your favorite flower? I really love, oh my gosh, it's totally blinking. What's the one that's really puffy and it looks like cotton candy? Hydrangea? I have one in my front yard. Yes, hydrangea. I love hydrangeas. Um, I like sunflowers are probably my all-time favorite. I also love lilacs. They're my favorite flower smell. And I really like dahlias a lot, but sunflowers are probably my all-time favorite. Claire, did you ever write any blogs about your miscarriages? No, I did not. But you can go back and listen to our podcast episode called Pearl Jam and Miscarriages, which was from like about this time last year. Um, let's mm-hmm. see if I can find the episode number. Yeah, because I remember Pearl that Jam. was like that was like July, August. Two, yeah, I remember that because yeah, I just gone to Chicago. It's from August 23rd. That was kind of like I finally summarized everything I'd gone through. Favorite Stranger Things character? I have never seen Stranger <gasps> Things. Oh, I love Hopper. Hopper, Hopper, Team Hopper. I love him so much. Claire, you've got to watch this show. It is so good. Okay, Okay, so real quick, I'm going to try not to nerd out, but this is becoming an obsession of mine, this show. The first season, I'm going back and rewatching the entire first season because I feel like I've forgotten what happened because it's been so long, but I'd say Hopper. He's the cop on the show, and he's he's just a love. And whenever I get obsessed with people, like characters on shows, I have to know about them as a human. And so he's done all these great podcast interviews. And he's just a lovely person, like in real life as well. And so that just makes me love him even more. I do that with music too. (laughs) Like if I like the artist, if I think they're a good person, then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. But yeah, I'd say Hopper's my favorite. Wyonona's character is great as well. I freaking love her as weird as she is in real life. If no one has, (laughs) if anyone has... If you've seen the, I think it's the Emmys a couple years ago where they won a bunch of awards and oh my gosh, there that were so many memes. And she's like <laughs> looking she's around, just like, like a crazy she's person. looking around like she's peeking behind a corner and like just shocked at what she's seeing the whole time when he's giving this speech. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Just, Winona, you are so weird, and I love you. But yes, <laughs> if you haven't watched that show, season three is. Kind of gory. I'm not super jazzed with the gory stuff, but because I love the kids in this show so much, they're so cute and the characters are so lovable. I can get past the gory stuff, but this season three got a little gory where it's like, ooh, ooh, ew. (sighs) Okay. Um, Okay. Would you rather have a one wheel or an e scooter to ride cross country? (laughs) A one wheel. Okay, I've been hearing horror stories of people having accidents on these darn scooters. I don't know if they're if people listening know if they're around no, every city, metropolitan. It's because city. of get, getting run right into cars. Yeah, I think I well, would have to go with the scooter because I feel like balancing on a one wheel across the country would be exhausting. I'd be so At least tired. That'd scooter, be like yeah, with a scooter you could like relax on the handlebars. Okay, yeah. um, this is I love this one. If you had to do a Great British. Bake Off Challenge. Which would it be? Uh, signature, technical, or showstopper? I'd love to do I think a showstopper. Wanna, oh, I think I want to do the signature because I feel like you have, it doesn't have to be like crazy all out, but you still can have like your own personal flair. Yeah. I think showstopper because I'd love to build something as tall as possible and try to balance it walking <laughs> up to the front with the judges. Yes, right? <laughs> don't um, move. Don't move. Don't breathe. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, favorite dessert. This will be our last one. Mm, I think we've got, answered this before. I will go anything chocolate all day, every day. The more chocolate, the better. If it's like a triple fudge mousse with extra chocolate sprinkles, sign me up. The more, the uh, most like indulgent chocolate dessert decadent. is 
always going to be my want. choice. Uh, mine is tiramisu. I love a good tiramisu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, All right guys. Let's well, plug our social answer. because we did yeah. not plug our I know, social. We forgot so. at the beginning. <laughs> let's do uh, it you at can the end. us on Instagram. Instagram at Joy and Claire underscore. You can find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com forward slash girls gone wad. You can find us at girls gone wad podcast.com. You can always email us girls gone wad at gmail.com. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much and your favorite, all your favorite podcasts podcast apps yes leave a review we love, we love to hear from They're you give us feedback send us questions girls gone what at gmail.com keep sending your drunk girl pics the best thing in the whole wide world like makes my day it's like my new version of like people sending their pet photos oh so great drunk girls forever your, what's the, what's the what's the plan for this still love all the what's, what's the plan, the plan for, this for this so good i love it all right guys we'll all right thanks week. guys bye, bye.